You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If if, if, if your blood runs orange and blue, 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 this this is the pod for you. you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. We're back at it again, Orange and Blue Bloods, back this week. EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beer. Tommy, at a certain point, like, how much credit do we have to start taking now for this Knicks win streak? It's getting crazy now. They're 6-0 since we started now, seven-game winning streak. I mean, I just feel like at this point, like, I mean, Leon Rose, you want to cut us a little bread? I know you got some money in that salary cap. Or Joey's the only one to throw some money under the table. I'll, t- I'll take it at this point because at this point, six episodes in, and we have six W's since something's up. I would say the power rankings are Orange and Blue Bloods podcast, Jalen Brunson, and then everybody else. And Randall <laughs> and them get a little credit or whatever, but you know, throw Tibbs in the mix. But you know, I, I think uh, you know, we're the primary, you know, generator, primary engine behind this winning streak. I think we should take all of the credit. Yeah, it's been it's been a quite a ride to start this podcast feeling one way and come in six episodes in now. And the Knicks are now the hottest team. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about this matchup the Knicks have against the Warriors on Tuesday night. And we'll be talking about the unfortunate passing of uh, Lewis Orr, former Knicks player, Syracuse star, passed away last week after a battle with uh, melanoma. So we'll talk about all of that. So let's, let's begin this uh, episode talking about this winning streak. So, like I said, the Knicks are the hottest team in the NBA. Since we recorded our last podcast episode, the team added two more wins uh, to complete their trip through the Midwest. Knicks completed a two-game sweep of the Chicago Bulls in Chicago and then rallied to beat the Pacers in Indiana on Sunday. Now, the Knicks have won seven straight, the longest winning streak in the NBA this season. Tommy, what has surprised you most during this win streak? Two things. One, I was thinking about it and I wrote about over the weekend. The wild thing to me about this winning streak is the Knicks haven't played like an A plus game yet. You know, like that's I think that's something that that I that, you know, would be one thing if they just like all of a sudden, you know, hit, you know, shot 70 percent from three one game and then had a defensive lockdown game. You know, like everybody's been consistent. And the next thing I'll talk about is Brunson. But just over in general, like the first few three or four games of of the win streak, Brunson wasn't great. You know, he struggled a little bit. Randall's been a bit up and down. He's you know, he's posted very solid numbers, had some defensive lapses, et cetera. R.J. Barrett's definitely trending in the right direction but not quite as efficient as you hoped him to be. Um, he, even though he's had some great games, Emmanuel quickly's actually really struggled of late. Yeah. Hardenstein hasn't given you much off the bench. Um, Sims hasn't really, you know, made the most of, of his minutes. Um, but it's everybody just kind of getting together 
And that's the sign of a winning team with one player struggles a little bit. You know, Grimes, you know, has 23 one night, then six the next night. But then yeah. RJ will step up and Randall have a really good game. Um, so it's 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 that kind of that kind of cohesion, you know, and and, and obviously defense has been the, you know, been, been the, you know, the something that has, has set the floor really high and allowed them to compete on a consistent basis. Um, and the other thing, obviously, is Jalen Brunson having a point guard, as we talked about coming into the season and as as everybody recognized, a lack of a true point guard had really hurt the Knicks uh, for the better part of two decades. Um, but the Knicks finally have their point guard um, Brunson you know, playing at incredibly high level. This time last week, we were assuming um, that he would miss at least a couple games, maybe a couple weeks. Foot yes. was in a boot um, one week from, you know, a week ago today, um, you know, less than 24 hours before the start of that first Chicago game. Not only did he play, um, you know, he, he, he's played at an incredibly high level since that yeah. injury last three games, averaging 27.3 points over five assists, shooting 51% from the floor, 67% from downtown hasn't missed a free throw. Um, overall during the New York seven game win streak, um, he's made 31 of the 32 free throws. He shot uh, 15 of the 33 pointers, 30%. So um, facilitating the offense, setting up the offense, playing, you know, uh, incredibly efficient um, on his own shots and creating scoring opportunities opportunities for others um so i think those are the, my, my two big takeaways looking at the seven game picture as a whole one there's kind of room for improvement because they yeah. haven't had like that that really great game yet and two um the importance of Jalen bronson and, and a true point guard in today's nba no bronson has been just fantastic it seems like he's actually played better since the injury which is is wild to kind of think about during this win streak i think for me when i think of like one of the more surprising things I've seen from the Knicks, this Knicks team is their ability to play what I would call complementary basketball. Now you hear that a lot when you get complementary football, where you know all three facets of the game kind of lift each other up, and you know that defense, offense, special teams. Like in basketball, uh, when I think of complementary basketball, I think of how the Knicks have been able to win these games in a wide variety of ways. Sometimes when the defense has lack like it was in the first game against Chicago. Uh the off the, the, the offense picks up. Jalen Brunson hits big shots. Quentin Grimes takes big shots. Oh uh, there have been games where maybe the offense isn't quite there like in Indiana where it's more of a kind of a, a, a no not a 90s game but like this that was like kind of like a 2022 version of a 90s game. A little more low scoring, a little more nip and tuck and their defense Rise to the occasion. Brunson gets a big steal. They get a turnover on the last stretch, even though Quentin Grimes made the mistake of, of course, picking the ball up in the worst spot, picking the ball up when he crossed half court. But no, they they got a bunch of defensive stops at the end of that game to win. And seeing how they've been able to piece together these wins, kind of however they need to, that's what I mean when I I feel like I watch them. I'm like they're playing real complimentary basketball. It doesn't matter who gets it. it. Doesn't matter how they get there. At the end of the day, they're coming up with the score scoreboard and saying. Knicks one score, other team less than them. And that's really all that matters. So their ability to do whatever it takes to win on any given night, despite not always having their best stuff, has been very impressive during the stretch. Definitely. Uh, and you mentioned it's 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 the it, and it seems like they're playing for each other, the right attitude. Um, and again, you know, we, we can circle back to Brunson. I think, you know, a lot of talk about, 
you know, a culture changer, somebody that can, you know, can really impact the, not only the, the play on the floor, but the attitude and the approach of the team off the floor. Um, and, and Tibbs gets credit for, for staying the course and, and adjusting his rotations. Um, and also Brunson for, I think just, he gives a belief into, in a team. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the, the stats for Brunson. It's not only that he's scoring 27 points a game, it's the, it's when he scores them, you know, yeah. um, you know, third in the league in clutch points a season, he has 60 points in the clutch, um, you know, shooting uh, 50% in the clutch. It's just, you know, everything. And, and the, the Pacers game was a perfect example. Knicks go down six. Um, uh, just under two minutes left in the uh, left in the fourth quarter, Brunson comes down, knocks down a three pointer, cut the lead to three. Next uh, defensive possession for the Knicks, runs into the passing lane, gets the layup on the other floor, cuts the lead to one, and now it's a winnable game. Um, so again, it's he's not only playing well, he's playing well when it matters most. Um, and you know, last season, how many times would the Knicks take a you know get get a gut punch like you know like they did against the Pacers and fall down? late in the fourth quarter and then just fold like a, like a, you know, like a tank on a, in a windstorm. This next team, um, at least of late over the last two weeks, and a lot of it's because of Brunson just has that, you know, that, that um, internal fortitude that, that you really like to see from a team. Yeah. In this, this seven game winning streak, you feel like the previous Knicks team from last year, maybe even 2021 doesn't win that game against the Pacers doesn't win the first game against Chicago in overtime yeah. and probably doesn't win the first game that actually sparked this winning streak, which was the game against Cleveland. Yes. Remember, Knicks had a big lead in that game and the Cavs started to make a comeback. Brunson hit a big shot in that game as well um, to kind of stave off a, a Cavs comeback. Those are games that you just, you've seen the Knicks blow over and over and over again. And I think you've seen the difference of what happens when you do have uh, top-notch point guard play. And, and we've seen that during, during this, uh, during this win game, 10 game, uh, seven game win streak for sure. Uh, you're listening to the Orange and Blue Buzz podcast, an Odyssey original, WFAN original podcast. You can catch this, uh, all these episodes, wherever you get your podcast. That includes the Odyssey app, which is free, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Whenever you listen to it, make sure you get, hit the auto-download feature so you get these episodes whenever we drop. And make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and comment about what you think about these episodes. Let's talk about this uh, this win against the Pacers they had um, because it was – a dramatic win. <laughs> there were multiple times where I wasn't sure they were going to be able to pull this one out. What were some of your big takeaways from that W on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I, I think we mentioned it. Um, the the play down the stretch from Brunson um, again, just something that stabilizes when things get a seem like they're about to get off kilter a little bit. Things might start slipping away. Um, he's the guy that the team turns to and say, "Hey, we need a bucket. Can you get us one?" Um, and um, you know, I think the players that bought into that Randall looks for him. Um, in, yeah. in years past, you know, we've we've seen Randall, you know, jab step, force a contested, you know, shot, and it's 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 happened here and there. Um, but I think we can slow but surely see um, that the team's faith um, it, it's easier to keep faith when you have a guy that you can trust a guy that you know is going to take care of the basketball a guy that you know if it isn't going to get his own shot is going to set up a teammate um, and then just the, the other thing we talked about is other players chipping in in timely fashion Grimes was relatively quiet most of the night yes played solid on the defensive end as we expect um, but I think only had one bucket prior to the, the final couple of minutes at that big three-pointer um, you know it, it just kind of goes to show that this team is willing to do what it takes um, you know to, to get the W and, and get some defensive, uh, you, know, you know, get some defensive stops. And the other thing I'll mention from the Pacers game, certainly credit where credit is due. 
Julius Randle's defensive switching onto Tyrese Halliburton yeah. uh, in, in two possessions late in the fourth quarter. He was basically isolated on an island. Um, I was upset that Grimes didn't, you know, get, get over the screen. He had fought through so many throughout the game. Um, but, the, you know, as, as, as it were, Randall ended up being isolated on the perimeter with Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know, one of the, the, you know, rising stars in the NBA um, and prevented Halliburton from scoring on both occasions. So, um, you know, credit to uh, Randall for those for those defensive stops as well. Yeah, definitely credit to Julius Randall, not only for those defensive stops. He also had some monster free throws. I yes. mean, he made six in a row in a minute, yep. I think. Yep. And the Knicks needed essentially all of them. I guess technically yep. need two, I mean, four of the six. But he made those free throws. He kept the pressure on Indiana to have to continue to score. And that's huge because also how many games have we seen in the past where the Knicks have those big free throw moments? And whether it's been Randall or R.J. Barrett, most of the time in those moments, they've missed one, missed a couple. And then we've seen those games uh, go awry. That's, that's kind of when you know things are really going well for this team when you see – uh, things like that happening. Randall stepping up and making those free throws was 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 crucial. Um, so not only his defense, but the free throw making was was a big key in that win. I uh, just love the resilience. They were again multiple times in that fourth quarter, especially after the Buddy Hill three over RJ, where you're like, okay, this is probably gonna get away from here. But they just stuck to it. Um, and I think there's a a, a level of belief. And uh, I saw Rebecca Harlow talked about it a little bit in the Chicago game, the second game. She said Quinn. She said to Quinn Grimes. Quinn Grimes says that we feel like. Uh, there's a belief that we can kind of beat any team and play against any and win any game we're in, which is a little, I mean, he's a young player. I was a little surprised to hear him say that that wasn't the case last year, <laughs> but, but, uh, but the fact that he did admit that I think does show that they're at a, a different point um, in this, in this new era or this new Jalen Brunson era that we're in. So the Knicks uh, win that game one Oh nine, one Oh six. There was some, some controversy in the post game. If you watched MSG, um, I'm going to try to play you the audio here. It is uh, Wally Zerbiak, who's a Knicks uh, analyst on, on the pregame and postgame show. Um, Halliburton, you know, missed a couple of shots against Julius Randle, and then he missed a half-court shot to uh, try to send it to overtime. Wally Zerbiak was a very interesting commentary regarding uh, Halliburton's miss. So I'm going to play that for you guys, and I want to hear what you, I want to hear what you guys what you think. Got one point game, 18 seconds left. Step back. Mr. Supposed wannabe fake all-star with the big miss there. And then the rebound by Randall. And then Randall iced the game with all the free throws. Last chance down three for the wannabe all-star. Let me keep it that way. He's in his second year. He's a very good player. He's not going to make the all-star team. A guy like Julius Randall or Jalen Brunson will make it over Tyrese Halliburton. Third Tonight year. we saw yeah. why. Oh, it's his third year? Third year yeah. Yes, you're right. Okay. right. Got one point. Wow. <laughs> Wanna be all-star. Tell us how you really tell us how you really feel, Wally. Yeah, I mean, my my goodness there. Wanna be all-star. So now I've seen various fans comment on this. Uh how Halliburton actually liked the tweet this morning um talking about this. Kyle Kuzma uh tweeted that you know Wally was hating and, and people have been upset about these comments from Wally Zerbiak. So what I think people are missing, and I think even I miss in the initial context is I kind of have forgotten how much Halliburton has talked about the Knicks over the past few years. And this is a team that the Knicks 
uh, were interested in him. He was a guy that a lot of people thought Nick should have targeted. People still say Nick should have drafted. And in these matchups against the Knicks, he's talked about how he's wanted to, quote, make them pay and make them think about um, not picking him. So he has taken some slick shots at the Knicks over the years. And because so much has happened over the years, there's this Trey Young beef, there's all this, the, the mess with the front office, and there's a lot that's happened. I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to anything involving Halbert except for complaining that he's not a Nick. I think a lot of people have forgotten some of the stuff he said. And I think Wally's not forgotten, clearly, because he wanted <laughs> to make it known that he is not an all-star. And I now have learned that Wally, unlike what I would have assumed, is probably the only person who cares about all-star appearances more than EJ Stewart. <laughs> I talked about how EJ cares about all-star appearances more than anybody. Clearly, I'm wrong, because Wally wanted to make it very clear that Halliburton should not be picked and that he's a, quote, wannabe all-star. Uh, any thoughts on what happened with this, Tommy? First of all, let's let's acknowledge the fact that Tyrese Halliburton's playing at an incredibly high level. A great um, season. A great season. Yeah. Um, almost 20 points per game, leading the league in assists, 10.7 assists per game, 1.7 steals, um, shooting 47% from the floor, 39% from downtown, 88% from the free throw stripe. Um, d- despite leading the league in turnovers uh, at 10.7, uh, less than three turnovers per game, only 2.7. He had a stretch earlier uh, the season when he actually had 40 ass- over three-game stretch, 40 assists versus zero turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I-, I mean, we can talk about all-stars you know later in the year but yeah. um if i had to pick one player to to, to represent the east in the all-star game i'm taking halliburton over randall as of right now um their their, re- their records are relatively similar um and halliburton has been the by far and away the best player in his team whereas randall's been the second best player in his team but again as you noted a lot of it has to do with positioning and the fan votes yeah. and the two extras and injuries and, and all that other stuff so um yeah i, I, I was surprised to hear all these comments um, and then as, as far as Halliburton chirping about the Knicks, I, there, there have been some comments in the past, but the other thing is how much, um, is that, how much of that is a result of him being asked about the Knicks, you know, of course, um, yeah. and, and, and every good player is going to tell you, um, you know, these guys were drafted ahead of me, any player that slipped even a little bit in the draft, you know, um, my guy, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown from, from my lions, um, can mention every of each of the 14 receivers drafted ahead of him two years ago. So um, we've seen this in the past. Draymond Green, for instance, I think can name all 34 players drafted ahead of him off the top of his head. Um, So if you're a competitive player that, that is playing at an elite level, and that's what you have to do to make it to the NBA, be one of the 450 players in the league. Um, you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. These guys manuf- find ways um, to create chips, even if they aren't there, um, as, as Michael Jordan defined for us in, in, in that great last <laughs> shot documentary. Um, so, yeah, I, I think while he um, – but then again, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of people were taking shots at Wally, said he went overboard. Listen, it's an MSG postgame broadcast. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's an employee of MSG. Um, should he probably be a little bit more subjective? I guess, you know, but listen, yeah. Nick fans are watching, you know, he's not on ESPN. Um, and even then, you know, you get first take that the hot take artists um, that, that are going to want to, you know, you know, say something for, for the sake of for, for of a controversial take. So, um, I'm, I, I, you know, I, it doesn't move me. You know, I'm, I'm not upset by it one way or the other. But um, what about yourself? What's your uh, your take? Yeah, on? I mean, I feel like <laughs> while he go a little bit. Bit far probably i mean first of all how burden is i will certainly i think going to be an all-star if you keep playing like this but even beyond that it was a little personal sure but i mean at the end of the day like his you know his check is cut by james stone i mean he yep. works for msg and and it is a nick show and he again he clearly has not forgotten some of the stuff that Halliburton has said over over the years 
uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I think it's all in good fun. I, I think sometimes we get a little too um, too wrapped up into what everybody's saying about each player. I mean, I think everybody knows Hal Burton's great. It's not a big deal. Hal, if, if, if Wally Zerbiak says, I don't think he's an all-star. He's a wannabe all-star or whatever. It, it was fine. I, I thought it was funny. Um, I thought it was, it was, it was surprising because I really, at first, did not know where it came from. But um, but all in all, uh, Hal Burton's having a great season. It's been, you know, crazy to watch him just kind of blossom in Indiana. And um, hey, if this means the start of another Knicks Pacers rivalry, then I'm all for that. You know, okay. like while maybe while he's uh, smarter than we all think, he's smarter than the Fox. He's getting I, it going I, early. I, I was just thinking that, and I and as we're talking, I looked at the schedule. So the next time they play is January 11th um, at the Garden. So maybe Halliburton will bring some some flowers or buy him a slice of roses pizza <laughs> um, right outside that MSG studio. Um, but then, interestingly. April 5th and April 9th, two of the final three games of the season, Knicks uh, at, at host uh, Knicks at Indiana on Wednesday, April 5th, the, the third to last game of the season, and the Knicks end the season, um, the Pacers end the season, their final game of the year is at the Garden against the Knicks. So those could be, um, you know, hopefully Knicks fans obviously are hoping that it's playoff, not just play-in implications, but Knicks will be yeah. securing a sixth seed, a fifth seed, wherever the case might be. For the Pacers, maybe that's, you know, jumping up into that sixth seed or, you know, securing the seventh. Yeah. You know, you want to avoid being the ninth to ten team, so you have to win two games in a row. Um, so, could be a little bit of extra juice on two teams um, that uh, assuming that both teams stay around that play in slash playoff picture um, could have uh, some, some interesting games down the stretch. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the Pacers, especially if they don't sell off some of those big pieces. I think they certainly could be in the mix. They were very competitive in that game on Sunday. Uh, let's talk about this uh, game against the Warriors. So Knicks return home to battle the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors. It is the second meeting between these two teams this season. Golden State throttled Knicks to San Francisco about exactly a month ago. The score was 111-101. It was not that close. I watched that game. They were down by 20 points for a big portion of that game. Um, one big difference in this matchup will be the absence of Steph Curry. He is out a left shoulder injury they're calling it a sublaxion with some damage to the labrum or someone who has had very it's very similar injury that actually concerns me a little bit moving forward for Steph. but uh uh he's out he's supposed to be out for at least a couple of weeks and then uh, andrew wiggins and andre godala are also out tonight with the, their own injuries so when i look at this game and you know you see the warriors coming to town you don't certainly say oh you know this should be one of these could put in their back pocket but when you consider steph curry's out when you consider wiggins is out and now you consider how well the Knicks are playing. I mean, Tommy, are we at a point now where we can start to kind of pencil the W in the win column for the Knicks for some games? I mean, is this a game the Knicks should win on paper? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, you got to keep in mind the fact that the Warriors are three and fourteen. They played seventeen games in the road this year. They are three and fourteen. Um, a few of them have come recently, um, but you know that that also includes many games with Steph Curry. Um, I'm just looking at the line right now. It looks like um, the Knicks are given five. Um, so that kind of gives you a feel of what Vegas thinks. Um, that's a, that's a pretty substantial lead, yes. a pretty substantial number. Um, it's got to be the biggest, the most points the Knicks have given the Warriors, basically, probably since Steph Curry was drafted. Um, so uh, that that tells you that, uh, yeah, this is a game. Anytime you're, you know, a, a five point, uh, you installed as a five point favorite, that's a game you should take care of. Um, that being said, listen, the Warriors are the Warriors. Um, you know, the, the, this is not a, a, a an, an easy game or a layup by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you assume maybe the Knicks will come back down to earth a little bit, maybe feel a little extra pressure. Um, and oddly enough, the Knicks are actually four games above 500 on the road, just one game above 500 at home. They've actually played a little bit better away from the Garden, as we as evidenced by the fact this, this yeah. recent three game uh, Midwest little mini road trip when they went three and zero. So can they can can they maintain that momentum? Can they maintain that um, you know th those good vibes uh, back at the garden tonight would be a very interesting to see and on that flip side the warriors this year are three and 14 in road games i mean they've just had uh, and steve Kerr has talked about it a bunch this season that they just are not playing with the kind of focus energy and toughness needed to win on the road and it's been frustrating for him as guys who's trying to uh, add another ring to the to the now very expansive collection Kerr has as both a player and as a coach so, yeah, this is actually going to be very interesting from that standpoint. Knicks got to show that they can protect home court. The Warriors have had essentially literally no luck at home no, on the road, on the road, essentially the season. So that will be uh, something to follow. But, yeah, when you consider that Steph is out and you consider the Warriors had been struggling, they did finally win. They were on a little uh, skid as well. Jordan Poole had a, had a huge game. Uh, I think he had 42 or 43 points in that game. That is going to be uh, one that the Knicks should still look at and say, hey, uh, we're complete. We're playing at a high level. The Warriors are reeling. They don't win on the. They don't win away from home very often. This is one the Knicks should get. I, I really feel that way. The, the Warriors will be playing a lot of their um, younger players a lot this game. Obviously, you know, I think you'll see a lot of uh, Kaminga. I think you'll see uh, some of these other guys. So, I think the Knicks should should win this game. I, I you know, I, it's going to take. I think for me, when I look at keys to this win, I think keeping your foot on the gas. Cause I think if there's anything about maybe these games against the Pacers and the Bulls, and maybe it's just the NBA because the NBA has been this way where teams just give up leads and they kind of, you know, let go of the rope a little bit and then they come back. But like there, there have been times where, you know, in the first game against Chicago, where they should have put the Bulls away way earlier. Um, they kind of let them in. Uh, you're playing as a Pacers team. That's a solid team, but I think the Knicks have more talent then, and you, you kind of almost let that one slip. Like, this is the kind of game where I kind of want to see the Knicks make a statement. You're on national TV. It's a TNT game. Um, I'm not sh sure how many people watch if Steph is out. Maybe people watch not knowing Steph is out. But this is an opportunity for the Knicks to kind of really plant their flags, a team that is a, a little bit of a force to be reckoned with in the East. Uh, I want to see them win by double digits. Like, there's, there's no reason why they shouldn't. The Warriors flying all the way to the East Coast. This is one they should get. Agreed. Yeah, this is one of the ones you want to come out and, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention on them. There's going to be a lot of talk about the seven game win streak. Um, you know, uh, it's a TNT game. So Chuck and, and Kenny and Shaq and those guys will, um, you know, have some, certainly have some comments about the Knicks. We'll see if the Knicks can make it stand up and, and show show the, you know, show the rest of the country um, what they've done to, uh, you know, win seven games in a row, kind of the, their secret sauce. We'll see if they can show up tonight and bring it. Yeah, and when I think about uh, you know a matchup to to watch, 
Uh, I think it's going to end up being a matchup between, you know, uh, I think I assume Quentin Grimes will probably get pulled tonight. And that I think is really, if pool goes off, I mean, that's where the Warriors have a shot. I mean, the Warriors offensively outside of pool um, with Steph out, that's a, and Wiggins out. I mean, those are two big guys to not have in the lineup. So pool has picked up the slack as you expect him to. He's a dynamite kind of scorer. Um, I would expect him to love the kind of atmosphere of Madison Garden, knowing that Steph's not out there. He's going to get plenty of shots. So Grimes is going to have a big assignment there. I, I, I want to see how he performs. I want to see how he performs on the offensive side of the ball too, because I know that he's um, been a little up and down offensively. What I love is that his defense stays the same. But I think if he can make pool work and make Clay Thompson work offensively as well, not just rely on kind of RJ to be the scoring on the wing, that could also be a big thing as well. So I'm looking at that matchup. Uh, Grimes on pool. How does that go? Hundred percent. That's that. That's the the key matchup for me. Um, obviously, Pool not nearly the name recognizable as Steph Curry, but he's a monster um, when he gets yes. opportunity to play. Um, he started twelve games a season. In those twelve games, he's averaging twenty six point eight points a game. Um, so again, averaging twenty seven points a night, along with four point five assists, um, ton of threes. Uh, he's shooting efficiently, forty seven percent from the floor, true shooting percentage nearly sixty one percent, and uh, his usage rate thirty three percent. So he's the kind of the the, the focal point of the offense um, when Steph is sidelined. Um, obviously not Steph Curry, nowhere near Steph Curry, um, but you can't sleep on that dude. Luckily for the Knicks, they have point of attack defenders. Um, and we, again, when we talk about the seven game uh, uh, winning streak, those defenders, McBride, Quickly, and of course, Quinn Grimes in the starting unit um, have been, you know, arguably the biggest difference. Um, you know, their their increased playing time, um, and and the, the Knicks, um, you know, defensive schemes that that allow them to um, kind of uh, you know shut teams down. Um, the other team's best player, you know, having a guy like Grimes have the opportunity to do that, not shut him down, but at least limit their their effectiveness and, and decrease their efficiency. Um, so that, that's really what you like to see, and and, and what you like to see going forward. Um, and, uh, I think the other, you know, the other thing that the Knicks are going to need is, is, is a bounce back game from, um, uh, Mr. Quickly. He hasn't played well of late, yeah. um, one of 12, you know, one of 10. So he's, so he's been up and down a little bit offensively and with Steph sideline with Wiggins sideline, the, the, the Warriors bench has been a real issue for them. You know, uh, Anthony lamb played 20 minutes, yeah. um, in, in their win over, uh, in their loss to the Sixers. Again, the Nick, the, the, again, the Warriors had lost four or five before beating a reeling Raptors team. Um, yep. they had lost four in a row on the road. Um, you know, Ty Jerome playing minutes, Moses Moody, um, Wiseman hasn't really been in the rotation. He hasn't given them what they would hope. Uh, Jermichael Green, um, they've had to rely on him for, you know, consistent minutes. Um, so those are the, those are the situations. We'll see if Kaminga gets in the lineup. Um, those are the those are the, um, the 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 minutes that the Knicks should take advantage when when Green and Clay and and Poole are on the bench. Um, that's yeah. when you need guys like McBride quickly. Um, you know, maybe uh, some RJ at the four. We've seen that a lot. You know, yeah. uh, Barrett has played the the backup power forward essentially, and and, and credit to for Barrett, who's averaging forty minutes a game over the last four nights. Um, he's had take on added responsibilities. Um, you know, and quietly, he's actually scored at least twenty two points in five straight games. It's the first time in his career, the longest such streak. Um, again, you'd probably like to see the efficiency improve a little bit. Um, but but make no mistake, he's been an important part of of you know what they've done. And again, that's one of the reasons why. Um, you know, even though uh, 
again, Barrett hasn't quite lived up expectations in signing the extension. One of the reasons they signed him to an extension wasn't necessarily because they saw him becoming an All-NBA, you know, superstar. It's because his floor is so high relative to, you know, where his contract's going to be. Yeah. You know what he's going to bring on a nightly basis, even when he's not knocking down his shot. Still plays hard, still practices the right way. Good guy in the locker room um, and find ways to contribute, you know, whether it be rebounding or, you know, getting a, you know, uh, some assists. He's done a little bit of a better job looking, uh, you know, seeing the floor when he drives into the paint. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, th those are the things um, that, uh, you know, again, and if you're, and if you're a winning team, um, if you're a team that wants to stake its claim as, you know, one of the six best, five best teams in the East, these are the games you kind of put the league on notice. League will be watching Tuesday night, not many other games up against the national TV contest. Um, I think this is a good test for the Knicks, and uh, we'll get a better sense, a better feel of where they are as a, as a team right now. Yeah, Knicks, Warriors, Tuesday night, MSG, 730, TNT, national TV slot. Fortunate Steph's not playing, but besides that, it doesn't really get any better for the Knicks in terms of a spotlight kind of game. TNT, does that mean it's going to start at 7.30 or 7.40? I, I think it's, this is a 7. earlier, right? I think it's a, I, when I saw it, it looks like a 7.30 starts. Right. I'm just or, wondering because I know ESPN starts like 17 minutes after. Oh, yeah. the, you know, like it's so hard. That's to a good, that's out. actually a good point. Yeah. It, I don't it, know how TNT does that. It drives me crazy because, does, you know, yeah. uh, NFL, so 1 o'clock start, you know, or 4.15, oh. you know, 8.15, on Monday night, Sunday night. You know when the game's going to start. World Cup is going to start at 1 o'clock. You know, you know when the, when, when, when the game's going to start. It, it, with the NBA, it's, it's one of my pet peeves is if it's not a national television game, then you assume it's going to start like 12 minutes after the announced start of the tip. If it's an ESPN national television game, then it's like 17 minutes after the announced. You know, if it's 7.30, then it'll be 7.47. I think TNT, the TNT games start right at the right at the, the exact. I think you know, they the, do. Or very close to. Um, so there have been plenty of times where our buddies will text me, like I tuned in at 7.45, assuming I wouldn't, I'd skip the 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. of blabbering. Um, but now I've missed the first six minutes of the first quarter. So just a heads up, uh, TNT, I believe, starts, you know, right very close to, to the actual stated tip-off time. Um, so tune in right around 7.30 for, the, for that game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes, very good note for that, especially because uh, the Bulls game on Wednesday. I, you know, because I don't really watch the ESPN broadcast if there's an MSG broadcast. I forgot that it was on ESPN, so I was just like, "What did it take? Why hasn't this game started?" And yeah. then I realized, "Oh, it's ESPN's got the game too." So, yeah, definitely a good point with that. I don't know why the NBA has problems with these start times. The games end up ending later too, oh, uh, and that can actually and that actually also can screw up your DVR because if you yep. have like an overtime game like that Bulls game, thank God they watch it live. They're like a uh, 
I didn't have the, I didn't have the overtime. I didn't even have the end of the regulation because of how late the game started. So yep. uh, yeah, definitely something the NBA I think should definitely look at. But we're gonna uh end this show on a bit of a side note. So uh former Knicks player and Syracuse star Lewis Orr uh passed away last week after a battle with uh cancer or played six seasons with the Knicks between nineteen eighty two and nineteen eighty eight. He also coached in the college ranks at Siena, Seton Hall, and Bowling Green or led Seton Hall to two NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, in a statement, uh, Georgetown head coach and former Knicks great uh, and teammate Patrick Ewing said in a statement, I've lost a great friend, someone who has been in my life since I was 22 years old. We developed a friendship and a brotherhood. He was always someone I could talk to. We would talk about life. We would talk about basketball. We, could talk, we would talk about family. Or had joined uh, Ewing staff uh, at Georgetown in 2017. Um, uh, Ewing has said, or is going to be, you know, part of the Georgetown program forever. Tommy, any uh, notable memories or thoughts about the life and career of Louis Orr? Yeah, Louis Orr predated my fandom a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, the, the thing that I think kind of stuck out to me was just how everyone had such a kind words. And, you know, some guys will pass away and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be mentioned. But, um, you know, so many people went above and beyond and talked about as good a player as he was, as good as a coach as he was, um, had that success at Seton Hall. Um uh, you know, just the, 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 the just the type of person that he was. And um, I was listening to the uh, radio broadcast, actually was driving home, um, I think it was Friday's game. Um, but the John Wallace, who's a Syracuse alum and, and, and or is a Syracuse alum, just talked about how, um, you know, he took him under his wing and just kind of showed him the ropes. And um, Wallace is actually better on the radio than I thought he would be. Shout out to Ed Cohen and um, and, yeah. and, and Wallace. I've listened to a couple different games here and there. Um, those Both of those guys do a really good job on the broadcast. Um, but yeah, he just talked about how even if I wasn't a Syracuse guy, and I know there weren't Syracuse players, um, you know, just really went above and beyond um, for his, um, you know, just looking out for, for fellow players. And um, yeah, I think Patrick's statement said as well. And uh, Mr. Ewing, we love you on this pod, but you got to get some wins together down at Georgetown, brother, or you might, uh, uh, yeah, your yeah. time might be limited, you know? So, but uh, yeah, our RIP Lewis or. Yeah, no, very well said, Tommy. Yeah. I, I think of, for me, or well, one, I kind of think of uh, just, you know, my dad who, uh, you know, lived and died with these Nick teams of the eighties that were mostly a mess. <laughs> I mean, there were some bright spots here and there. Bernard King, obviously, uh, you know, with, with some phenomenal seasons, Pat Ewing getting drafted, of course, but Lewis Orr kind of being one of the kind of the steady pieces on those teams and um, kind of being kind of reliable, high efficiency player, um, kind of just a, a good character guy during those years as well. Um, also kind of going back to his looking back, you know, at, at his career that predated the NBA, I kind of for, forgot, like, because of I guess when he entered the NBA, like he kind of predates kind of like the real true establishment of like Syracuse as a big East power. Like right. the Syracuse was not in the big East until his senior year. Um, this was kind of the beginning of Jim Beheim kind of establishing his program as a national program. Uh, Louis York, I know he was, Jim Beheim was very emotional this weekend talking about Louis York. Um, I mean, he was one of the foundational pieces of the Syracuse Orange um, and the back then Orange Man, now Orange. And that kind of spurred this new era. And then Pearl Washington kind of really took them to, to different heights. So so in RIP, of course, at Pearl Washington, we lost a couple years ago as well. So so, yeah, I think I, I, so I think about that just idea that he really is like one of the reasons Syracuse basketball, you know, got to the heights that it reached. And then I think about him on the sidelines at Seton Hall. Like I also forgot kind of how good he was there. Like Seton Hall had had so many down years after he he was he was let go, 
that like I kind of thought it was he it was way worse. Like they they had multiple years where I think they won 10 conference games. They went to the tournament twice, won a, a game in the NCAA tournament. So um considering where things had went for a while before Kevin Willer got there, he did a really good job at Seton Hall as a coach. So uh yeah, Luzor, I mean, he's always been kind of synonymous uh with the, the Knicks uh for his for his playing days in the NBA. So very sad to, to hear about his passing. And um yeah, shout out to the captain. Patrick Ewan for 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 those uh those kind words and, and and apropos words for just kind of the impact he left not just on Georgetown where he was an assistant for the last five years and of course Seton Hall but uh, and Syracuse but also the Knicks. Yeah, amen. Um, and one other thing I just I, I realized I forgot to mention it while we were talking before um, yeah. as we wrap up and prepare for Tuesday's game against the Pacers uh, against the Warriors. Sorry, um, Knicks will host the, after the Warriors game. Knicks will host the Raptors. Um, as I yes. noted early in the pocket, they are in the they are really headed in the wrong direction. Um, and then uh, they have the Bulls again Friday night. Um, they will be favored in all three of those games, three game home, you know, they, they, their home start of a four game road trip. Those are three winnable games. And obviously we don't look too far ahead of things, but could the Knicks be riding a 10 game win streak into Sunday uh, Christmas day matinee against the Sixers? Um, You know, it's funny. It's funny because when this win streak was around maybe four or three, I started looking at the schedule because I will be in the building on Christmas Day. I have tickets to that game. It's a Christmas gift for my girlfriend. Shout out to my girlfriend. Um, So I'll be in the building. I was like, what if the Knicks are on a 10-game winning streak? (laughs) And they're playing ESPN, the matinee game against the Sixers. Like, wouldn't that be something? And I'm like, "Uh, we'll see. I Honestly, for me, it was like, let's see if they get out from the Midwest unscathed. Right, because I felt like if they got out of the Midwest still undefeated, now you're talking about a reeling Warriors team, a reeling Raptors team, and now it's like okay, now, now we're here. So yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of uh, what that you know uh, that, that 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 big spotlight game could be on Christmas Day, especially if they're uh, still on an, on an undefeated streak. Yeah, we'll be back uh, with you guys on Thursday. Um, yes. after the, the Warriors and Raptors game. So we'll definitely talk about it. Hopefully we can preview a little bit of the Bulls game, talk a little bit about the uh, potential nine-game winning streak at that point. So uh, we'll see where we're at. But it uh, should be fun. It will be fun, absolutely. Thank you, Tommy, for, for joining me as always. Uh, Tommy, let me know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. And uh, make sure you guys sign up for that What's on Tap newsletter. Absolutely. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Make sure you subscribe to the New Generation Media uh, YouTube channel and New Generation uh, Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts as well. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Orange and Blue Buzz podcast. As Tommy said, we'll be back Thursday. Remember, you can catch all of these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Wherever you're listening to your podcast, make sure you hit the auto-download feature so you get our episodes whenever they come out. And, of course, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and a comment on what you think about these episodes. But we will be back Thursday. Thank you guys for listening in. Tommy, I'm EJ. We'll see you guys. Peace.